and welcome to the Quiet Out Loud. Okay, you guys, today I want to spend just a few minutes talking about the Enneagram. Uh, The Enneagram is something that I have been asked about several times over the years, and I feel like just it kind of keeps popping into topics of conversation um, around me again, like just kind of over the last several years. So listen, I am not here to crush all of your Enneagram dreams. Um, And, you know, if you think that I'm talking directly about you because we've had a conversation about the Enneagram, like, please don't make what I'm saying about you personally, because I have had a lot of conversations over the years. Like I don't have one particular person in mind right now as I'm speaking. And it's a hugely popular tool. So not only have I had a lot of conversations about it personally, I've also just been exposed to it a lot through social media consumption and, and things like that. So again, like just don't take it necessarily personally. Um, I'm really just want to encourage us all to think and maybe ask ourselves some questions. And I, I just want to share just some of my journey, my own personal journey and experience around the Enneagram. Um, okay. We all desire to be seen, to be loved, to be understood. And Jesus offers us that like he knows everything about us and still loves us enough to die for us on the cross for the forgiveness of our sin so that we can be reconciled with him forever in eternity. He loves us so much. He wants to spend eternity with us. Think about that. He loves us so much. He's like, I want to spend forever with you. Okay. Jesus offers us that type of love and understanding. But I guess the question that I have to ask, is that enough? Like it is, is it enough to be seen, to be known and to be loved by God? Or do we also kind of demand that of everyone else around us too? That's kind of where I start thinking about the Enneagram because the Enneagram, in my opinion, does provide some extremely useful language to help us express our feelings, our motivations, to help us maybe better understand ourselves and understand those around us. Um, I'm, I'm not going to deny that it does provide, again, some useful language, um, again, that just helps us understand ourselves and each other. And we're going to talk a little bit about that here in just a minute. But first, I really want to just talk about, I don't have this like super scripted out. I just want to talk about like, again, like my personal journey with the Enneagram and I've, I've kind of, um, kind of gone full circle with it again over the last maybe four or five years. So the first time that I was really introduced to the Enneagram was in therapy, like in a therapy session with my therapist at the time I was going through just, a really difficult time of life. And, um, I'd really, I'd heard of the Enneagram, but I wasn't super familiar with it. And so my therapist introduced it to me just, you know, as a tool to help me maybe kind of understand like why I was feeling the way feelings that I was feeling and, you know, kind of help process through that. And just, again, like understand myself 
better and, and others better and kind of be able to relate to people um, in a in a better, more constructive way. So what was interesting to me, which again, looking back was probably kind of like my first like little red flag. Like looking back, she gave me a piece of paper and it had all of the nine types on it. And it had words and phrases kind of associated with all nine types. And she said, just go through this sheet of paper and just circle the things that you feel like, you know, the words or phrases that you feel like you relate to, and then cross out the ones that you don't. So really like, cause I asked her like, how do I, how do I know what type I am? And she's like, we well, just kind of read through the paper and you, know, you just kind of land on one that, that feels like you. And I'm like, so there's no, there's no quiz. There's no tests. Like there's no analysis. Like how do I, you know, there's no analysis that has to be done that kind of says like, this is, this is who you are. Like, no, just kind of, you know, again, just circle cross out and which Whichever, whichever type you've circled the most under, like that's probably, you know, what you are. And so to me, that's kind of the first, like, that's not very scientific, I guess, you know, you just kind of really, you just kind of point and pick like yourself. And so, and she did say like, Hey, well, yeah, there's quizzes, you know, there's quizzes online and things that can really, that can kind of help direct you, you know, into which type you're, but again, there's no, like there wasn't at the time. I think, I think now, um, I do think now there are quote unquote, some official, um, tests that you can take maybe through the Enneagram Institute. But again, at the time, this wasn't that long ago. I mean, this is four or five years ago. Like there really wasn't a great, um, standardized kind of certified, um, test. So again, that's just kind of the first little like red flag about kind of how valid is this, but, but, but again, like, again, it felt like there was some truth to it, you know, as I kind of went through that exercise. And I also had a lot of friends who were really into it. Um, and so, and, you know, also encouraged me to, um, you know, to kind of dive into it because they had found it very helpful. They'd found it very helpful for understanding themselves. And particularly a lot of people talk about, they find it very helpful with um, helping understand their spouses and helping their, you know, their marriage relationships and just helping them communicate better with their spouse. And so I'm like, okay, like this is, this is cool. And it does again, like as you, as I was working through this, I'm like, okay, it sounds, this, this sounds like me. Um, this is really interesting. It, it can I be really honest? It kind of reminded me a little bit, a little bit of like reading your horoscope. It's kind of like someone is telling you about yourself, but they don't really know you. Um, and so you're like, Oh, how do they, how do they know that about me if they don't actually know me? But let me tell you again, that's an, that was another, like over time that kind of became like another, like just little red flag to me that, um, that, that there's just people think they know you because they think that they know your Enneagram type, or they try to type you, um, you know, by having a conversation with you and then they, then they, then they know everything about you. So, and again, at first this was very intriguing. It's, it's, again, it's kind of like, I said, it's kind of like reading your first book. It's very intriguing. You're like, Ooh, like, again, like how do they, how do they know about me without knowing me? There must be something to this. And of course there is something to it, which again, we're going to talk about here in just a minute. Okay. And then at the time too, there were all these like cute, fun, you know, graphics on Instagram and content on Instagram around the Enneagram. And again, like that made it kind of, again, just fun to participate in. So so that was kind of where I was at for, I don't know, like maybe six months, maybe even a year. I don't know. I don't know exactly, but you know, just kind of like 
dabbling in it, um, talking to friends about it, um, you know, kind of trying to, one thing I never felt super comfortable with, which again, now kind of hindsight, um, one thing I never felt super comfortable in was like, was my number like, because, okay, let's think about this. Let's, let's think about this. When you just go through and circle words about yourself that describe you, um, a word might describe you, but another word might describe you and it's under a different type, but you relate to that word, you know, the second word, like even more, it's like a deeper, uh, a deeper relation. So let's say, let's say like you're trying to choose between, again, this is kind of, this is why it doesn't anyways. Okay. You're trying to choose between like a one and a three, which is kind of like where I was always at. Um, well, I, you know, I might, um, have circled more words under one and and had more things that kind of related to that, but had a deeper, um, you know, relationship or identification with the words that I circled under three, but I didn't circle as many. So I don't know, that's just an example of kind of like, you know, as you're working through it, like, how is this? And now that I've kind of, again, like, kind of stepped out of this a little bit. Like, I guess, you know, I was looking um, just to do some research on this podcast. Like there's this whole misidentification topic around the Enneagram too, which again, I find really, really just interesting, I guess, because apparently it's super easy to misidentify. And there, you know, if you go to the Enneagram um, Institute website, there's like 36 type misidentifications. And Again, maybe it's, I don't know, like, is it just possible that we're we're not, I I I think two things. Okay. I know I'm stumbling over myself, but I think two things. One, I think we are very simple and I think we are very complex. Okay. (laughs) So that's what I think about um, humanity. And um, I do think, you know, kind of putting us, trying to put yourself into this one type with the wings and and all of that. can can still be very constructive. And then I think that's where you get into all of this like misidentification, like where do I really belong? Where do I not belong? And anyways, so um, so that again, so that's kind of just where I was at at the time. Um, and then I started, I don't know, I don't even know where it started. I I just heard some minor rumblings from some other Christian. I think creators on Instagram that I followed, um, who were like, yeah, I don't know about the Enneagram. So, you know what? I, I myself went and did a little bit of research and listen, I think if you're willing to put on a label and wear it as an identity, like if you're willing to put on like the label of, Oh, I'm a one wing nine or whatever. Like if you're, if you want to put that on and wear it as an identity and you want to put labels on others, I think you'd, I think you should be willing to do the work to dig in and see what it's really rooted in. Um, again, like you wouldn't just call yourself, hopefully anyways, I, you wouldn't just call yourself a Christian without really understanding what the identity means and where it comes from. So that's what I did. I just kind of went and did some reading on the Enneagram and I'm, I'm, just to be like, just to be really honest, like after a little bit of reading on it, it doesn't take much. Um, I really couldn't take it very seriously anymore. Um, and so I ended up kind of just putting it down. It sounded very, 
new age-ish to me. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to read a couple of things. And, and I, again, I would encourage you if you love the Enneagram, that's, that's, I mean, I, I don't know if it's okay or not, but, um, I, I would at least encourage you to dig into the roots of it. And maybe you have done that and you're like, I, I have done that and I'm okay with it. I still find, you know, that it's useful and, um, you know, draws me closer to Jesus, which I, again, I think that's the number one question we should be asking when we like something can be a useful tool and still not draw us closer to Jesus. And I, I mean, ultimately our goal, again, ultimately our goal is not to become more like our best self. Our goal is to become more like Jesus, again, from a Christian perspective. And my question is, is does the Enneagram do that? Does it help you do that? Does it help you become more like Jesus or does it help you try to become your best self? And there is a difference between those two Things and I just want to read a couple of things. Again, it's, this is on enneagraminstitute.com. If you just look at kind of the history of the enneagram, one of the first things is that first of all, the history of the enneagram is kind of like all over the place. But the enneagram symbol, in and of itself, um, can be traced back like to ancient times, apparently. And um, the symbol is this is what it says on the website. The symbol was reinduced, reintroduced to the modern world by George Gurdjieff. I'm I, I know I'm not saying that right wrong. I know I'm saying that wrong. So let's just call him George. George, the founder of the highly influential inner work school. Okay, like to me already, like red flag inner work school. It sounds again like sounds very new age-ish to me. Okay. George taught the symbol primarily through a series of sacred dances or movements designed to give the participant a direct felt sense of meaning of the symbol and the processes it represents. So okay, we're talking about like sacred dance moves and movements, and that's how you know they're relating to this symbol, I guess. Like I don't know. Again, like that's about all it took for me to be like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can buy into this anymore. If it's like this. Okay. So that is um, one thing. um, Again, that just kind of jumped out to me that again, the symbol of the Enneagram at one point in time was taught by sacred sake. I mean, this is their word, sacred dances or movements, which again, like gives you some sort of spiritual experience so that you feel the meaning of the symbol and the process it represents. And the process that it represents is, again, this inner work and discovering what George called your chief feature. Okay. So he didn't necessarily teach all the personality types, but this is, again, that's kind of what it morphed into over time. Um, So again, he's teaching the Enneagram symbol through interpretive dance, I guess, so that you can feel inside of you, your chief feature. Okay. So again, that was kind of one thing to me where I was like, I don't know about, (laughs) I don't know about this. So again, and then there was the next, um, so really uh, that's kind of where, again, like the symbols started, but, um, the traditional Enneagram, which we kind of know of today, 
is fairly new. It really only goes back to the 1960s. And again, I'm probably going to say this person's name wrong and it's going to upset people, but I'm sorry. Uh, is it I, I Chazo, Icazo, Ica, maybe it's Icazo. I don't know. Um, and this is the person who, um, kind of first started teaching the Enneagram back in the 1960s. Um, But it says the philosophy behind the Enneagram contains components from mystical Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Taoism, Buddhism, and ancient Greek philosophy, um, and all traditions that stretch back into ancient times. Again, I'm just asking, I'm, to me, there's just so many red flags in some of this language. Like, I don't want to participate in mystical Judaism or Islam or Buddhism or ancient Greek philosophy. And the, the, again, you can see, like, the, the, I think what a lot of Christians believe is that this is a Christian tool, like, kind of developed and, um, you know, developed by Christianity and has a lot of Christianity undertones. Again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna circle back to why I think that is um, here at the end, but, um, okay. And I want to give a quote by, again, this person who was teaching the Enneagram back in the sixties and seventies. And one of the things that he says is we have to, this is a quote from him. We have to distinguish between a man as he is in essence and as he is in ego or personality in essence, every person is perfect, fearless, and in a loving unity with the entire cosmos. Again, this is this is the guy who kind of, you know, developed and pushed out the Enneagram as we know it today. He's saying every person is perfect, fearless, and in loving unity with the entire cosmos. There is absolutely nothing biblical about that, about that statement. And it says there is no he goes on to say there is no conflict within the person between head, heart and stomach or between the person and others. So basically like, again, this is where, um, you know, new ageism and this type of thinking is kind of tricky because what basically what he's saying is that really deep down inside you are perfect. You are perfect. You have no fears. You love everyone and they love you. You just have to Find that within yourself. And, you know, if you can just get rid of this ego, if you can just get rid of these bad things about you, you can actually elevate yourself to this higher, you know, to be this higher person and become this perfect being that has no, you know, no conflict. And you're just in loving unity with the entire universe. Again, guys, this is, there is nothing biblical about that statement. Okay. Then he goes on to say, then something happens. The ego begins to develop karma accumulates, and there is a transition from objectivity to subjectivity. Man falls from essence into personality. Again, to me personally, you, you are different than me. Okay. You, you are not me, but to me personally, like all of these statements and and kind of again like where the enneagram came came from and and what the people who believe you know who who brought brought it forth believed in is enough for me to say like I don't need to have anything to do with this necessarily even if it's a useful tool I'm completely capable of putting it down and not participating 
because again, a lot of this, you can just, you can go on and read this for yourself, but it just it goes on further to talk about again, more mystical Judaism, um, the teachings of Kabbalah, um, the, you know, the Kabbalah diagram of the tree of life, uh, you know, and which talks about, um, the laws by which God created the manifest universe. And again, there, there are pieces of this that sound biblical. And I think this is where it gets really tricky sometimes. Um, and we really have to pray and discern and, you know, try to figure out like, is this of God or is it a counterfeit of what God offers us? Okay. So that was that I know I've kind of jumped around, but that was kind of like my overall kind of full circle journey again, starting like four or five years ago. And I, you know, it probably took me about a year, six months to a year to kind of like come full circle, do some of that research and realize like, you know what, I don't, I don't think this is cute and fun anymore. Um, and I'm just not going to participate. Now I didn't go out into the world and tear, try to tear everybody down or say, you shouldn't use this or, you know, like you need to stay away from this. I didn't necessarily, I didn't become, um, you know, a big, uh, someone who's trying to, again, like trying to stop everyone from using it. I just personally kind of quietly put it, put it down and put it to the side and said, this is, this is not something where I want to, I want to find identity anymore. Um, so I'm going to take that label off and not worry about it and not participate in this anymore. So then a couple of things, other things have happened over the years. Um, one was our church actually did a message on the Enneagram, uh, maybe like two years ago. Um, I can't, I can't quite remember. So my timeline might be wrong, but kind of after the time I had put the Enneagram down, I had already done this research. I had looked into the roots of it. Oh, also one of the things too, like that I didn't read, I don't think it's on the Enneagram Institute website, but I have read it and heard it in other places is um, again, the man who was teaching it in like the sixties and seventies and kind of brought, brought the Enneagram forth. Like from what I understand, he says that the Enneagram and these, these nine types was all basically given to him through a spiritual experience. So, um, through, and again, the, it's fuzzy and I might be, there's other, um, podcasts on this that I can put in the show notes where they give the details on, you know, who had what experience. Cause I think it was like two different people who had, it's either one person had two different kind of spiritual experiences and the Enneagram was quote unquote, like revealed to them, or it's two people who each had an experience. I can't remember which one it is, but um, in, regardless, the, the, you know, one of the roots of the Enneagram is, you know, um, a person who says they had a spiritual experience and the Enneagram was, you know, revealed to them through this experience. Um so there's that piece of it again. So I had kind of done this research, you know, I'd, I, I dabbled in the Enneagram. I, you know, had done some research on it and had come to this point of like, I don't feel like this is good and I'm going to choose not to participate. Okay, fine. Whatever. Again, didn't try to tear anyone else down about it. Um, but then our church preached a sermon on it. 
And I had, I did, I had some issue. I had some issue with that. Um, they did one message on it and then they were also offering like an Enneagram class, um, afterwards. And, and they did a good, I don't, I do want to say like they, they, again, they presented it like most people do like, here's a useful tool that you can use to better understand yourself and others and improve your relationships. Okay. That, that sounds great. Everybody, you know, wants that, right? How can I better understand myself? How can I better understand others? How can I improve communication? How can I have better relationships with people? Like that's all sounds really, really good. Um, and that's, you know, again, that's how they presented it as a tool to use just to help improve your relationships. And, um, but I did have a little bit of a heartache about them again, preaching it from the pulpit and presenting it as a tool that Christians should use. Can we just talk about, you know, this idea that it is a useful tool just for a second, because, and again, I I don't necessarily disagree that people can find it useful, but some people also find using astrology useful. They find reading their horoscope useful. They find using numerology useful. They find using a Ouija board useful. Like there are all kinds of things that you could find useful in your life for predicting the future, learning more about yourself, like, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't because you know, it's not of God. So I just find it interesting that, that when it comes to the Enneagram, there's really a lot that we are willing to push to the side because we, we again, find it just so useful. Again, if you wouldn't pick up um, your horoscope and find value in that. I, I, I have to be honest. I don't know why you would pick up the Enneagram and find use in it either. Once you understand the truth behind it. And so I did, I actually, um, I actually, uh, confronted them about it. Um, you know, through I sent an email and just said, you know, I really would wanted to understand, um, you know, I, I feel like confront is, is maybe even too harsh of a word, but I, I did want to understand like, what was it about it that they liked and how I, my question was, is how were they able to overcome the concerns that I had? Because I had enough faith in my church that they had done the research hopefully, right? I did have enough faith in my church that they had done the research. They kind of understood the background. They kind of understood where it was coming from and um, had still made the decision that it was, you know, useful enough to, to, to not only use um, in their organization, but also talk about it from the pulpit. And I wanted to understand, like, how did they overcome, how did they overcome those hurdles? Because again, those hurdles for me, personally were something that, that said, like, I'm going to set this down and not participate. Um, and again, it's not like the, it's not like I expected the, the church to tell people not to use it. I'm kind of, you know, again, like that was the avenue that I had taken, like, I'm not going to use this, but I'm not going out and kind of, again, um, preaching against it necessarily. So, um, I, I did, I wanted to understand like how they, how they came to the conclusion that this was worthy enough to be, um, taught from the pulpit. And, um, they gave me a very thoughtful answer. I do want to say that a very thoughtful answer gave me a lot to think about, especially in terms of, and again, I think this is something that a lot of people will say when it comes to things like the Enneagram or yoga or whatever it is, whatever topic it is that Christians disagree on. 
Um, you know, I, what I hear a lot of is, are you giving, um, the thing, whether the, the Enneagram yoga, whatever, are you giving that more power than it really has? Um, and you know, isn't God more powerful than, than that thing? And, um, you know, can he redeem it? And that was really kind of the theme that, that they came back to was, you know, that, that God is the great redeemer. He can redeem anything and he can use anything to, um, you know, bring himself glory and to draw others, you know, draw, you know, reconcile man unto himself. Like, you know, God is a great redeemer. So he, he is capable of, you know, redeeming the Enneagram and using it for his will and purposes. And, um, again, this has been a couple of years, so my memory might be just a little fuzzy, but I, and there was also, I think, you know, they gave me an example of, uh, Jesus actually using, or I don't, it might not have been Jesus. It wasn't Jesus. Don't, I believe it was Paul, um, using some secular terminology from that time, um, using like a referencing a secular song, let's say in what he was saying. And, and well, sure. The song wasn't a, you know, a quote unquote, a Christian song, but he still like used it to reach people. Okay. Does that make sense? Like we can use secular tools to potentially reach people. Okay. And again, the, the answer was, was good. And I feel like I, I don't do it justice when I repeat it, because again, as I've sat on that response over the years, um, I've potentially, I think, become just more discontent with the response. Um, and do I think God is the great redeemer? Absolutely. Especially when it comes to redeeming, you know, us, humanity, our, our souls, but are there things that we should still not dabble in? Absolutely. The Bible is very clear on not dabbling in again, like things that are not of God. And so again, like that's just where I've really, again, I've, I still, their message back to me was not enough for me to say, um, you know what? I'm, I'm now okay with the Enneagram. It wasn't enough to convince me to overcome my own personal hurdles again. So I just kind of was back where I started from ultimately of, you know what, not for me, but I'm not out necessarily. I'm not knowledgeable enough necessarily to go out and convince other people not to use it, nor do I, I'm again, I'm not here. I don't want to tear people down, um, or to make them feel bad. (laughs) So, um, so anyway, so that's kind of, that's kind of my journey with it. And then, uh, recently I had a friend reach out to me. She sent me, um, a, a podcast series on the Enneagram. She's like, you know, I just really, I feel like I want to talk to you about this and get your thoughts. And I, you know, my immediate reaction when someone asked me about the Enneagram is I'm like, I'm, I'm like, are you sure? Like, are you sure you really want to talk about it with me? Because, I don't necessarily have a positive viewpoint about it. Again, I'm not telling people not to use it. Maybe I should be telling people not to use it. I don't know. But again, when someone wants to talk to me about it, again, I don't want to have this confrontational conversation. Um, And it's just, it is difficult sometimes. So, um, you know, I was like, are you sure that you want to talk to me about this? And so we did, we got together, we had, we had, you know, had breakfast and, you know, talked about the Enneagram, talked about all kinds of things, but we had a great conversation about it and it was, it was really good. Um, but when she messaged me and said, I want to meet with you and talk to you about the Enneagram, I have some questions like, you know, and I want to get your thoughts. 
um, I was at the time I was reading Exodus and uh, where Moses goes in before Pharaoh to perform signs to convince Pharaoh to let the Hebrew people go from slavery. And you're like, what does that have to do with Enneagram? Well, let me tell you, let me tell you how I related it back to the Enneagram because I was reading this at the same time because I'm doing a, a Bible in a year plan. And so that was, that was the the chapter that I happened to be on um, a few weeks ago. So um, Moses goes in there and he throws his staff down on the ground and it turns into a snake, right? But then what happens? Well, Pharaoh sorcerers and magicians do the same thing. And then we see this repeated with the turning of the water into blood. And like, okay, why do you, why, what does it have to do with Enneagram? Well, what it has to do with Enneagram is because there are counterfeit options to what God and the Bible offer us. And they can look a lot like the real thing. It can be hard to tell, right? It can be, I mean, that's Pharaoh's heart was hard. He's like, well, you're not doing anything special, you know, with God's power. Look, my magicians can do the same thing. And, but if we embrace those things, like we're not only falling for a replica, like a mirror image of the one true God. I feel like if the, if the world sees us embracing those things, it could also potentially harden their hearts to the real thing. And because just because there is truth to something does not mean it's of God. Okay. Like when the sorcerers and magicians threw their staffs down and they turned into snakes, that was not of God. It looked a lot like the miracle that God had performed. I mean, I, you know, if you read the story, like obviously Moses, the snake that Moses' staff created eats the other one. Um, that trick though, was that it was just that it was a trick. It was not a work of God. And so, um, let me give you another example of this, um, this kind of counterfeit or mirror image or replica of what God truly offers us. I was chatting with a friend recently about manifestation and she said, well, I think there's something, I think there's something to manifestation. And I'm like, I agree 100%. Of course there is something to manifestation biblically, like biblically, the Bible says speaking speaking our words, like the words that we speak and the thoughts that we think are very powerful. I mean, if you look at the verse from Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Okay. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Like our words do have power and even our thoughts, like the Bible goes on, you know, it talks about, um, you know, uh, lust, even just having a lustful thought is considered adultery. It's the same as, as performing the physical act. It's considered adultery. So our words and thoughts are very powerful. So of course, of course there is truth in the, in manifestation, but not because new ageism tells us so because the Bible tells us so, but using, but this is where, this is where the divergence happens. Okay. But using your words, to manifest your dreams or level up or speak something into existence is not biblical. If you want something to happen in your life, you are to be in prayer and petition and confirming it's in line with God's will. So of course, I do think there's something to be said for manifestation, um, but manifestation is typically about your will, not God's will. Okay. You're speaking into existence, what you want to happen, not what God wants to happen. 
But, you know, aligning to God, like sounds a lot less fun, you know, than like manifesting our way to a million dollars. And when the world sees us like as a Christian manifesting instead of praying or using the Enneagram instead of using the fruits of the spirit, I believe that it can harden their hearts to God because just like Pharaoh, like, why do I need God when there's another option here that does basically the same thing? And, and allows me to keep on living my life how I want. So maybe you've, you've been, um, you know, following me up to this point and you're like, but again, like, you know, I still think that the Enneagram, like, you know, what, what, is, what is counterfeit about the Enneagram? Well, in my opinion, that the Enneagram is counterfeit options for the fruit of the spirit, the sins of the flesh, spiritual gifts and grace. I do think that there's truth to the Enneagram. And I think that that's what makes it powerful. And I think that that's what people find so valuable in it. It's not, you know, it it is a great tool, but I believe that it's an imitation to what we're offered in the Bible. I mean, to me personally, again, like the kind of the more I sat with the Enneagram and and used it and looked into it and all of that, it feels a lot like the psychic hotline to me. It says things that are true about everyone. Like, yes, you can kind of stick yourself into um, a certain type or a certain number, but, you know, ultimately it kind of says things that are a little bit true about everyone. You know, there is some truth to it. I, I have no doubt that people... Um, feel like that it has helped them and could contributed to their um, successful relationships or being able to relate to people better. But my brain always just kind of keeps going back to one word, grace. Like, why is it that you need to know someone's number or their underlying motivation in order to extend them grace? Why isn't the grace that the Bible teaches us enough? Like, why do we also have to have the Enneagram, or I have to know their number. I have to know their underlying motivation in order to extend them grace. Again, is that biblical? Is that what Jesus tells us to do? Like you need to understand their mo- their underlying motivation before you can extend them grace, before you can love them like you love yourself. That's not what, again, that's not what the Bible teaches us. Like my question is, is what does the Enneagram give you that you couldn't get from the Bible and the lists of spiritual gifts, fruit of the spirit, sins of the flesh, and grace. I mean, is it just a pretty package? Is it the little picture? Is it, you know, again, like all this cute content that's created? Like if you are finding more worth in yourself and others around their Enneagram number than their spiritual gifts, like, I don't know, like maybe that's a red flag. Like, you know, you're more concerned about what their number is than what their spiritual gifts are, or you're more concerned about labeling with the correct number than their correct spiritual gift. Like why as Christians, do we need to adopt the Enneagram lingo? Like that's my, that's, that's my question. Like, why do we need to adopt? Like, why is the language and the tools that the Bible gives us to relate to other people insufficient? Like, why do we need to adopt the lingo? That's just my question. I mean, I don't have 
the answer. I think, you know, ultimately I think it's, it's just, it's, it's trendy. It's easy. Again, there is some truth to it. So it's easy to latch onto, but this is my question. My, my, I'll end with this question. Um, I kind of talked about this in my last podcast episode too. Um, can you let it go? Can you let it go and not use it as a lens to see the world? Like, could you, could you drop the Enneagram and not view people through that lens? Could you, could you view them through the lens of Jesus rather than the lens of their number or whatever number you think that they are? Or, you know, because when we can't let something go, when it's a lens that we can't take off, that's when it becomes an idol. And maybe you're using the Enneagram in a perfectly healthy way. Like that's, I mean, okay. Um, Again, I don't, I'm just asking questions and telling you kind of how I came full circle. Um, And again, it's something that, you know, again, the Enneagram is just something that I cannot pick up and it's not a lens with which I want to view humanity or, or view the world. Um, ultimately the lens through which I want to view people and view the world is through the lens of scripture. Now, yes, of course there are, you know, I, there's, um, there's a couple of accounts on social media that I follow that are just, they're almost against like using even other books (laughs) than, than just the Bible to kind of help you, um, understand the world. Like, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying we can't, um, you know, read books, listen to podcasts. Um, obviously I'm doing a podcast right now that I want people to listen to. I'm not saying we can't listen to and read and learn from other sources than the Bible, but when that source becomes your identity more so than your identity in Jesus, I mean, I guess that is kind of the red flag warning label that I would put on the package of the Enneagram. So, okay. So those are my, those are my thoughts. Um, I have, oh, I forgot to mention, like I actually did a survey on my Instagram stories about the Enneagram and just asked um, people, do they like it? Do they love it? Do they hate it? Are they indifferent? Um, and I got a lot of responses and I, um, I have to be honest, I was pretty surprised because generally speaking, I, and maybe it's just because the people who really like the Enneagram are very vocal about liking it. And then the people who don't care for it are just quiet about it, which is kind of really the story that I just told. Like, I don't love it, but I don't go out telling the world that I don't love it unless I'm asked. <laughs> Unless I'm directly asked, but um, what you know, the responses that I got were actually that um, you know, 45 percent of people that answered the survey hated it. That is almost 200 people. Um, so 45 percent hated the enneagram. 43 percent were indifferent, so don't care, and only 12 percent love it. I was just really surprised. I was honestly, I was really surprised that more people didn't love it because, again, because I feel like. I hear so much about it. I mean, there's, you know, churches preaching it from the, from the pulpit, like, and, and not just the example that I gave you, but my friend sent me like an entire podcast series, um, you know, from a church who was talking about it. And I just, I don't know, I found, I found the, the answers. Um, I, I was expecting a lot more support is what I was expecting. So 
Um, anyways, just interesting and wanted to share that with you guys as well. So, all right. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I would love to chat with you in the comments about it. Like, tell me, tell me your thoughts, maybe tell me a little bit of your story. If you've looked into the Enneagram at all and kind of maybe how you got to, um, where you are with it. All right, guys, thanks so much. And I will talk to you next time.